Bill, for that good reminder. Well, we're going to go back to our study of the book of Romans this morning. And if you'd like to follow me in your Bibles, you can open to Romans chapter 5. Otherwise, it will be on the screen uh, as we look at this passage. You know, you're not, you don't have to end your life the way you were born. I've known plenty of people who were born into very difficult situations in their life. Some to alcoholic parents, drug-addicted parents, abusive parents, and um, whose lives were turned around by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they are not the same person. And they probably have testified how they look back and they see where they came from. And they look at their life now and they wonder, how could I have come this far from where I was born into what I am now? And I'm going to tell you the, the, the answer today is the abounding grace of God. The Apostle Paul said it like this. Think about his life. He was born into the Hebrew culture. He was Saul, the Pharisee, and he uh, was his life was radically changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what he said. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And that's true for all of us. By the grace of God, we are what we are. Now, I want us to read this passage as we talk about another blessing of the gospel. We have been looking at Romans chapter 4 and 5 and looking at the blessings of the gospel that we receive because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and through his resurrection. We've talked about we have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? We have access to God. We enjoy the love of God. We have hope in the coming glory of God. And most recently, we talked about we are, we've been delivered, and we are delivered from the wrath of God. But today, I want us to consider another blessing of the gospel, and that is we have the abounding grace of God. Stand with me, if you will, as we read Romans 5, 12 to 21. This is one of the most uh, interesting chapters in the whole book of Romans, and uh, it at first seems to be very confusing, but I hope by God's Spirit we will put the pieces together this morning. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. 
resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we need the understanding that only comes from you when it comes to any scripture that we read. And Lord, I pray as you would um, teach us from this passage that we would learn not just to gain a head knowledge, but Lord, a life-transforming truth. That Lord, our minds would be renewed and our lives would be changed by the power of the grace of Almighty God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to uh, look at the back of your worship bulletins, I've given you an outline. And I um, want you to kind of understand what's happening here in these verses. Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, is comparing or contrasting Adam with Jesus Christ. Adam was a type of Christ in the Old Testament, meaning his life, uh, pointed to, in a contrasting way, the coming of Jesus Christ. And so that's what Paul is highlighting in this chapter. So if we look at that little outline on the back with the arrows, one man, the one man he's talking about is Adam. And the one act, the scripture says, he committed was the offense, which is when he and Eve took the fruit, the forbidden fruit. That was the offense. And from that one act, sin came upon all, all of us. And sin reigned over the whole creation. And therefore, death reigned over the whole creation. For the wages of sin is death. Why do we have suffering in this world? Why do we have evil in this world? Because of one offense way back in the garden. Now, you can't blame Adam because had you been Adam or you been Eve, you would have made the same choice. But sin and death reigns over creation because of that one offense. And therefore, judgment. All were made sinners because of that one act of, of sin and offense. And then condemnation came upon the human race. God warned them from the very beginning, but they rebelled against God. Now, the other side of the equation is the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, the one act that he did was called, in this passage, the gift. The gift. The gift of his life. The gift of him dying on the cross. The gift of him taking your place, your punishment, my punishment upon himself. The gift that we receive through him. And because of that gift, instead of sin coming, grace comes. For, so where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. No longer does sin have to reign in your heart and life. Now, Grace, God's grace can reign in your heart and your life. And therefore, not, no longer is death that which reigns over us, but life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and therefore, we are justified. That means we are made righteous. You see, Adam's one act made us sinners. Jesus' one act made us righteous. 
by our faith in him. And therefore, instead of condemnation, we have eternal life with him. So that's what you're seeing happen here. That's the progression that we just read in Romans 5, 12 to 21. Now I want to point out some of these truths in contrast. By the way, contrast does not mean contradiction. It means two truths are pointing to the same thing in contrasting ways. Or two men, two acts, two things are pointing to the same thing, but in a contrasting fashion. So first of all, we have talked about this, the two men, Adam and Christ. And we've referred to him, and you, mentioned, you, you see him there in these verses 12, 15, and 17 to 19. Here's the, here's the truth. We all belong to Adam. All of us came from Adam. We all belong to Adam, but not all belong to Christ. Not all belong to Christ. You were born into Adam by nature of your physical birth. You had no choice in that. That was chosen before when God created the the heavens and the earth, and God created male and female. He created Adam, and everybody that's ever lived came from Adam and Eve. You were born in Adam, but you have to be reborn into Christ, and that's a choice. You didn't have a choice the first time, but you have a choice in this rebirth. Here's what Jesus said in John 3 to Nicodemus. <clears throat> Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Have you been born again? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and, and be born? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The two births contrasted there. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you see what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus and to us today is, is that we're all sons and daughters of Adam. But not everybody's a son of Jesus Christ. Not everybody's a son of God. That's a choice. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, he says, As in Adam all die. In Christ, all shall be made alive. But the key is in Christ. Are you in Christ? Verse 45 says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, speaking of Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. So two men are in contrast here, talking about the two births, physical birth and spiritual birth. Another contrast we see here are two acts, two one-time acts. Look at verse 16 of Romans Chapter 5, he says, And the gift is not like the, that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which come from, came from the one offense 
resulted in condemnation. And then in verse 18, we see what is contrasted to is that one righteous act. Therefore, through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act. So here's the truth. One offense is enough to bring us all to condemnation. And let me make that in two thoughts. First of all, Adam's one act was all it took to bring sin and death and condemnation on the whole human race. Now, whether you want to accept that or not, I can't force that upon you, but it's truth. It's Bible truth. But here's the other line of thought I want you to think. Have you sinned? Have you done anything wrong? Let's say that you would say, well, I don't believe that Adam's sin brought sin upon all of mankind. Well, let me ask you this. Have you sinned? Have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever lied? Little white ones too? You ever took something that wasn't yours? Did you always obey your parents when you were growing up? What about the things you didn't do you should have done? Or that you don't do now that you should do? You see, sin is so subtle. You say, well, I've, I've been a pretty good person. Generally speaking, I've been pretty good. Well, the Bible says in James 2.19, or I'm sorry, James 2.10, for whoever shall keep the whole law but stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. So if you've just messed up one time, just one offense, just once, just like Adam's one offense brought sin to the whole mankind in condemnation, if you've just messed up one time, that's enough to condemn you to hell. That's enough. That's all it took. If you think you're pretty good, but in, but you've, in your whole lifetime you've only messed up one time, that's enough. But here's the glorious, graceful truth. One righteous act is enough to bring us to eternal life. You see, the one act of Adam brought sin upon the whole race, but the one act of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, is all that's needed to bring us to eternal life, to rescue us from condemnation. It's not what you can do for Jesus that gets you saved. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Even after you get saved, sometimes that's what Paul dealt with in the book of Galatians. He, 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 he said, why are you so bewitched? Why do you think that if you came to Christ by faith through grace, that you're kept saved by works? And see, some people, some Christians, this ought to be a freeing truth, is that some Christians think, well, I'm saved by faith through grace, God's grace, but I've got to keep saved by doing good works. Now, let me ask you this. Should you as a Christian be living in good works? Should you be practicing good works? Yes, but that's not what keeps you saved. If that's what kept you saved, then God's grace is for naught. God's grace is that energizing force in your life that motivates you 
to do good works, that energizes you, that gives you the desire. Philippians 2.13, it's God who works in you both to will, that is to want to, and to do of his good pleasure. So when you do something good, it's not because you want to keep yourself saved, it's because God's working in and through you. One act is enough to save you and keep you saved. And that act was the, cro the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the one line of thinking. The other thing I want you to think about is just like one sin that you commit is enough to condemn you to hell, there's, a, there's one act. One act you can do. That if you don't do this one act, you're going to stay condemned. doesn't matter that Jesus already performed the one act for you. If you don't do this one act, You'll miss heaven. And you won't miss it by the skin of your teeth. You'll miss it by a million miles. Jesus was asked this question. What must we do? What works, he said, they asked, must we do to have eternal life? Jesus said, here it is. Believe on the one he sent. Believe on the one God sent. So the one act you can do is to place your faith and trust in the one act that Jesus did for you. That's the only thing you can do to be saved. Do you know that? Ephesians 2.8. For by grace, we're talking about the abounding grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. It is a gift of God. Here's the illustration, God's grace. God motivated in himself by love, reached down the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. For by grace you are saved, how? Through faith. That's me reaching up with my faith and receiving the gift. The gift is extended to all men, all men, women, boys, girls, not all receive the gift. One act is enough to condemn you to hell. One act is enough to get you to heaven. Paul's contrasting that here. There's also two soul controllers that Paul's contrasting here. Two soul controllers. He talks about here in Verse 17 and verse 21, he says in verse 17, If by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 21, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness, in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's two things being contrasted. You're either being controlled by your Adam nature or you're being controlled by your Jesus nature. Either sin and death is controlling your soul. And by the way, let's define what our soul is. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's everything you want, everything you think about, everything you desire, and everything you feel. Basically, that's the real you, right? 
thoughts, desires, feelings. That's your soul. Who's battling for control of your soul? Well, really, you are. But who wants control? The devil wants control of your thoughts. He wants control of your desires. He wants control of your feelings. Who else wants control? Jesus. And so Paul is contrasting here two soul controllers. Everybody in this room is under the control of one of those two. Sin and death or grace and life. What makes the difference? Jesus Christ. His grace. Have you surrendered to His grace? And are you living in His grace? My friends, look at your life this morning. Are you, is your life a life of sinfulness and selfishness and going about your day and your week and doing your things briefly interrupted by some spirituality on Sunday mornings and occasionally special occasions? My friends, I would say that, that if that's true with you, your life is being reigned by sin and death and the devil. You may be a good person. You're not doing drugs. You're not doing alcohol. You're not sleeping around with all kinds of other people. You may be a good, moral, upstanding citizen, but God is absent from your life, generally speaking. And you only allow him in at certain times. That's a life reigned by sin and death. Or is your life reigned by grace and life of God? Where you are connected to him, that is your life. He is your life. You walk with him. You talk with him. And uh, briefly, occasionally, that life is interrupted by sin because you're not perfect. And when you do sin, you feel so guilty that you come running back to God for forgiveness and a new measure of his grace. For where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And you recognize that. He gives you even more grace to overcome that sin when you come back to him. And see, some of you here this morning are living in that kind of life. You're living a grace-filled, life-filled walk with the Lord Jesus. Briefly interrupted by sin. Two soul controllers. Paul is contrasting here. He's also contrasting two soul conditions. He says in verse 19, as many, for as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, that's Jesus, many will be made righteous. So the condition of your soul this morning is of one of two things. You're either a, made a sinner or you've been made righteous. So let's just simplify it here. You're either a sinner or you're righteous. Every one of you here said, oh no, I'm a sinner. I'm not talking about how you see yourself. I'm talking about how God sees you. And see, this is a hard concept to imagine. That God sees us different than we see ourselves. Because there are some people who see themselves as righteous, but God sees them as a sinner. That's why he gave us what he tells us about the Pharisees in the New Testament. They saw themselves as righteous. You remember the two... In the temple, one was a Pharisee, one was a publican, a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood over here praying, it says, the scripture says, with himself. Praying with himself. If, you're right, if you are self-righteous, that's all you're praying with is yourself. God's not even in the picture. 
And it says he stood praying with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I, and especially like that sinner over there, I fast, I pray, I tithe, I go to church, I read my Bible. Self-righteous. And it's a stench in the nostrils of God. But then there's this sinner over here, this tax collector. And he wouldn't even so much as lift his eyes to heaven. It says he smote his breast. And he said, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said that man was righteous. That man was not. You see, there are some who think they're righteous but are sinners in the eyes of God. And there are some who are sinners in the eyes of God. I mean, in our, their own eyes, but they're righteous in God's eyes. And the difference is Jesus Christ. See, this man had Jesus. And see, I know there are many of you here today that feel like you're a filthy, dirty, scum of a Christian, cut sinner person. <laughs> like I feel often. But that's not how God sees you. When God looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been made righteous. You didn't become righteous. You were made that way by your new birth. But see, some of you think you're righteous because you do good things. You think you're a moral, upstanding citizen, and you're prideful, and you're self-righteous. And God sees you as a filthy, stinking sinner. There's two soul conditions here this morning. Paul's contrasting them here. Which are you? And lastly, there's two destinies. By the way, 2 Corinthians 5.21. The Bible says, God made Jesus to be sin. Who never had sinned. So that we could become the righteousness of Christ. And if I, I don't add to Scripture, but if, if ever I did, I would add the statement, who never knew righteousness. Jesus was made to be what he wasn't, so I could become what I wasn't. And I don't feel righteous. But that doesn't mean I'm not in the eyes of God because of Jesus Christ. That's the abounding grace of God. There's two destinies here. You see one in verse 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in what? Condemnation. Verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteousness, or righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Even so, as, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's two destinies here, condemnation and eternal life. Condemnation in hell or eternal life in heaven. There's two destinies here. So what we're seeing here is these two contrasts, Adam or Christ. And so I ask you this morning, in whom is your identity? Adam or Christ? There remains only one choice. Think about it. You, only have one, you don't have two choices, do you? You just have one choice. Because you were born in Adam, weren't you? You didn't have a choice. 
right? So there's only one choice to make. Am I going to stay in Adam or am I going to give my life to Christ? Makes all the difference in the world. Warren Wiersbe said, you cannot help being in Adam, for this came by your first birth over which you had no control. But you can help staying in Adam, for you can experience a second birth, a new birth from above that will put you in Christ. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born again by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. His one righteous act on the cross, and you're coming to him in your one act of faith appropriates his one act on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. It's as if when you came to Christ, as I did as a six-year-old boy, as Perry did as a six-year-old boy, as you come to Christ, then Christ and God the Father appropriates that which happened over 2,000 years ago, and he applies it to your life right at that moment. And those two righteous acts are superimposed upon one another. And can never be changed. You're not saved by osmosis. You're not saved by going to church. You're not saved because you were born into a Christian family. You're not saved because you were born into a quote unquote, and I lose that, use that term loosely, Christian nation. You're saved because you saw the one righteous act that Jesus did. You made the righteous act to come to him. You deliberately made the decision to exercise your faith, your will, to believe what Jesus did was for you. And that's a one-time act. And that's enough to be saved. When was that one-time act for you? For me, I was six. For Perry, it was when he was six. You just saw the testimony of that this morning. When was that one-time act for you? Do you have it? Can you look back to it and point back to it and say, yes, that's when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I can't give you a date specifically. I can give you a year because I remember I was six. You'll just have to guess what that year was. But I remember it vividly. I remember it vividly. I remember the guilt. You say, how much guilt can a six-year-old boy have? You just didn't know me. I was disobedient to my parents. I lied to my parents often. I was a thief. I stole candy at every opportunity I could from stores. I loved candy. Still do, by the way. I just don't steal it anymore. <laughs> I may take it when you're not looking. Because I don't want you to see I'm eating so much, but I don't steal it, you know. And I remember the guilt, the weight, the burden I felt. And then hearing messages like this as, as being a part of a church family. I would hear these things in Sunday school and church, and I knew that it displeased God. And I, and I began to feel that I needed to do so. I needed to do something with this guilt, and there was only one thing to do. And that was bring it to Jesus. I remember going to dad one, in my mind, I remember it being a Saturday night. It may not have been a Saturday night, but in my mind, I remember it being a Saturday night in his bedroom and telling him how I felt. And I remember we were sitting on the corner of their bed 
on mom and dad's bed. And I remember that night and my dad sharing with me what I'm sharing with you today, what Jesus did. And I remember we got down on our knees and, and I asked Jesus to forgive my sin and to save me. And that night he did and he saved me. And I haven't been perfect ever since, far from it. But that one night I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and he kept it forever. Do you have a one-time act where you made that commitment to Christ? If you haven't, you need one. You can nail it down today. You didn't become a Christian by coming to church. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. You've got to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Have you done that? If you have, you're his forever. Forever. You're righteous. We've got to live that way, though. If we are righteous, we must live righteous. We must live what we are. Sometimes I think that, that we still live sinful because that's how we see ourselves, sinful. Maybe it's time for, we're going to get to Romans chapter 6 in a few day, in a few weeks. And we're going to see what he says, if you're righteous, then how should we live? But we'll talk about that later. Are you his? Are you an Adam? Are you in Christ? Would you bow your heads with me this morning?